Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So we continue our journey through the book of Job today, and we continue to hear from Psalm 88. That was again the psalm response today. Yesterday's lament, if you recall, from Job comes from earlier in the book of Job, from chapter 3, right after all of this calamity befalls him, right? The, his family, his health, everything is crumbling in just very rapid succession, and he lets out this cry from his heart. As time goes on, Job takes to thought and just begins to ponder what is happening to him, right? And Job's various friends at different points in the book here are coming to him and suggesting to him different answers for his suffering. Like, perhaps, Job, you've offended God some way. Perhaps you're being punished. Perhaps you sinned. Perhaps you're being called to repentance. And that's kind of where we pick up today, in uh, today's section from Job. He's responding to his friends, and he says, in response to their suggestions, he says, I know well that it is so. In other words, I know that I'm a sinner. Like, I know I've done evil. I know I've offended the Lord somehow. I know I need to repent. I know I don't deserve any good. I know all of that is true. What he's coming to realize at this point in the book, he's coming to realize that there's a, there's a degree of foolishness or audacity to come before God and try to justify oneself to say, I deserve such and such. Because I've been so good, because I've been so upright, I deserve this blessing or that blessing. And this, friends, if I may, I think this is what I'd like us to reflect on today. This is one of those crucial, just very painful lessons that so many of us, I I dare say all of us, I mean, we all have to learn and we all will eventually learn some at some point in our lives, right? It seems to me that no matter how much a person has, I, I guess, advanced in their own discipleship, their own walk with the Lord, it seems so often that, that when suffering actually shows up, like actual suffering, not the theoretical cross, but the actual cross, when the actual cross shows up in a person's life, when they're stripped of that thing, of this thing, when they lose a job, when a marriage breaks down, when someone dies, when a spouse gets sick, when a child gets sick, like when actual suffering shows up, it seems like so many folks often will look at God with this incredulous look in their eye and think like this sense of betrayal. Like how could you do this to me? Like we're one of the good ones. We, we go to mass. We pray. How could you do this to us? We've been faithful. Why would you punish us with this? I share this with great reverence because suffering, I mean, it's... See, what Job was, was beginning to realize, what we have to realize is that when suffering shows up, it's not because God is the kid with a magnifying glass hunched over the anthill of our humanity just picking us off willy-nilly for fun. It's not, though, it's not as though he's bored and thinking, ah, I'm just going to get this one. He doesn't directly will our suffering. Whatever suffering he allows in his permissive will, 
He allows mysteriously for our good and the good of all. Like This is what Thomas Aquinas said was the only potentially good argument against God's existence, which is the problem of evil, the presence of suffering. It's only a theological, there, there's no philosophical response, satisfactory response to the problem of evil and suffering. The only potentially satisfying response to the problem of evil and suffering is that, is the Paschal Mystery. That God, who is all good, God, who is life and beauty and glory and goodness, entered into it so that, one, it would be a place of deep intimacy and communion with him, and two, he entered into it so that from the worst thing, he could turn it into the most beautiful thing. He turns graves into gardens, tombs into wombs. That's what he does, right? So whatever suffering he allows in our lives, he allows mysteriously to bring about a good in us that otherwise would have remained dormant. This is what what Job is beginning to sense somehow, that there's some virtue that God brings about through suffering. There's some heroic kind of love that wouldn't have come about without it. There's stripping and detachment that was necessary that wouldn't be accomplished in any other way. Knowing it doesn't make it easier... That's true. But this is the only truth that makes sense. I'll share this before, before we end here. My, uh, my paternal grandfather, my dad's dad, he died back in January of 2020. He had a short four-month journey with pancreatic cancer. I don't say battle because when he got diagnosed, there was, there was no thought or consideration of doing treatment or a chemo or anything like that. He was 90 years old and with, with just a real sobriety about life and death, he just knew that this was a part of his life's journey. So he wasn't going to battle it. He was accepting it. It was, it was quite beautiful. Anyway, mid-November in 2019, he, the cancer had progressed to the point where he couldn't live by himself anymore, so he moved in with my folks, and that began their long walk with him to the end, hospice and all of that. And I got to see, up close and personal, because I would go home on my day off, and I would go home on Sundays after Masses, I got to see up close and personal what this did in my parents and for my parents. Like my mom, I remember like just seeing my mom responding to, they put a bell in his room, and like my mom responding to every, right? And she would go down the hallway, up the stairs, down the hallway, like this is what she would do every single time bring him a glass of water. The remote dropped on the ground. I can't find the newspaper. Papa, you're holding the newspaper in your hand. That kind of thing. But she responded with such incredible love. And I remember my dad, same thing. I remember being home the day that my dad, like when he had to begin doing for his own dad, the things that his dad did for him when he was a little boy, right? The cleaning his dad, bathing his dad, dressing his dad, all of that stuff. It was so hard to see my grandpa just get sick and more, sicker and sicker and more weak and more frail. But at the same time, it was so amazing to see how his poverty was drawing forth, was unearthing these hidden riches that were in my parents that they didn't even know were there. 
like his suffering was drawing out, I remember especially my dad, a kind of love that he didn't even know that he possessed. Right? That's how this works. Sometimes, yes, sometimes you get to see glimmers of Easter Sunday in the midst of life's Good Fridays, but sometimes you don't. But our faith assures us that they always come together. If the cross is not yielded to Easter, then the story's not over yet. They always go together. And whatever suffering the Lord allows, it's to bring about something hidden and mysterious, something far more beautiful. This is what Job was coming to reckon. Like, this is the mysterious God that Job was coming to reckon with, and this is, this is the God that we must reckon with as well. Amen.